This is episode two, Appreciating Differences. Welcome to the Simplish Podcast, where we unpack complex topics, weaving in our unique experiences and research, making the everyday more simplish. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Simplish Podcast. My name is Ene. And I am Evelyn, and welcome to today's episode. It's so exciting. We have had a roller coaster of a couple weeks here uh, now that we've gone live on most podcasts streaming all the important ones yeah apps. <laughs> we're finally live on apple and it took a long long time for them to approve us i guess we sound sketchy i don't know mm. but it took a week for them to uh, approve, of <laughs> approve us. our mm. episode and allow <laughs> it to be seen so um shout out to my sister who patiently waited for us to go live there um, but yeah, so it's it's been fun. It's been eye-opening. There's been a lot of stuff in the background. Um, we have an Instagram page and a website that mm-hmm. are both up and running. So give us a follow and uh, check out our website if you haven't already. Our Instagram is Simplish Podcast and our website is simplishpodcast.ca. So mm-hmm. Don't forget the WW. <laughs> okay. <well>. <laughs> <laughs> Should be pretty easy to find. Um, there's only one of us, so yeah, uh, yeah, really cool. And he's been doing an awesome job of putting content up and um, just yeah, keeping it all active, keeping people engaged, and yeah, it's yeah. been really cool. We've had a lot of people who have been very interested in yeah. our. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> so if you follow our Instagram, you may have seen for a brief time yesterday uh-huh. that um, Na had posted a, a meet the host post um, for him and then I'll be doing one uh, later on this week and uh, an older (laughs) gentleman commented on the post on Instagram that um, he would like to work out an arrangement um, (laughs) that NA would get $200 a week and uh, we don't know what the arrangement was we were both kind of thought it was kind of funny I got my first sponsorship yeah (laughs) yes I told NA he's got a sugar daddy Uh. like Damn, it was funny though. Um, but anyways, who knew we were already in the limelight? I know. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Um, but give us a look if you haven't checked out our website. Mm-hmm. NA posted a blog um, shortly after our episode went live, and it was in combination with the episode. A couple other details in mm-hmm. the post um so if you liked our episode or if you haven't had a chance to look at that blog post yet do head to our website and uh read yeah. over and you know leave a comment and tell us yeah. how uh, or i guess tell us what you think about it yeah mm-hmm. and we we have an email address as well i believe it's contact at simplishpodcast.ca yep. so if you have any input that you wanted to share with us or any comments concerns if you hate us let us know um <laughs> and yeah just uh just Keep in contact with us. We love to hear from you. Um, just don't let us know if you want to give us a $200 allowance because I don't think NA can handle that two weeks in a row because his ego would just go through the roof. I mean, if you're going to give me free money, I'll take it. <laughs> We're not doing <laughs> that. Um, but anyways, it's going to be a pretty exciting episode today. Um, we're going to be talking about differences and some of the ways that you can recognize that the differences in how you view the world, how you... Um, react and interact with others and we're going to base 
this episode on two kind of schools of thought surrounding individuals. So the first is the Meyer Briggs Types Indicator, and the second is the five love languages. Now, they're both really unique in how, how they're set up, and um, both have been created by people that are much more smart than any and I, um, (laughs) much smarter, I think is how we would say that. Um, but case in point, so we very smart, (laughs) (laughs) most smart people. Um, oh gosh. So yeah, I think we'll just get going with Meyer Briggs and, um, yeah, I kind of talk about that and the different personality types, uh, just in a bit more detail. I'm sure many of you have heard of it in some capacity but a really cool tool that you can use to help better understand yourself. Yeah, I mean, for this section, I mean, Evelyn took a 16-hour course for the Meyer Briggs <laughs> assessment, so um, she'll have a little more information on that aspect <laughs> than I will. So um, don't be alarmed if you hear her um, taking over for a bit and kind of going on a rant about all the other different uh, personality types. Rant is, is nice. <laughs> Educated <yeah>. rant. <laughs> Yeah, just to give background, um, the place I work takes this kind of idea very seriously. So it's actually part of our training is where you do a two-day course um, on Meyer Briggs. And the course is called, you know, Understanding Yourself and Others. And the whole point of it is to be better in your job and better with people. Um, And I work at a a very large firm. It's one of the biggest accounting firms in Canada. So... um, And they just Slight gave me like, there, but... they gave me just like the eyes. He's like, wow, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they take this very seriously. It's a huge part of their work culture. So um, I found the course really interesting. I'd done a little bit of it before when I was in university, but this is by definitely the biggest deep dive I'd gone in. And I just thought it was really, really interesting. Um, some great things. I continually learn stuff about myself whenever I look at these personality types. Um, so yeah. I'll let N.A. go into it, and then, as he said, I'll (laughs) add in my two cents as we go along. (laughs) Oh, it'll be more than two cents, but... um, (laughs) I'll add in my five (laughs) dollars. I'll read the titles, and then she'll give you guys the rest. (laughs) All right, so um, when we take a look at the Meyer Briggs assessments, um, each of the different personality types are, I guess, divided with um, eight different letters that, I guess, create a combination of the 16 different personality types. So for the first, um, I guess, um, type, I guess not type, but for the first category we have is basically the different ways people, I guess, receive and give energy. So, I mean, as most of you guys know, you've all heard the term introvert, extrovert. So with extroversion, these are people who generally receive their energy from large crowds of people. So these would be the, basically the people who are, I guess, the life of the party, the guys who are, I guess, guys and girls who are (laughs) (laughs) the people. who are very um, energetic and just seem to be able to talk to anybody and just um, be able to interact with anybody just from the get-go. Whereas people who are more introverted or I guess introversion are people who kind of gain their energy basically from being more so by themselves and also just kind of spending time with their own thoughts and kind of taking in the world as it is. And this isn't to say that um, either of these types are necessarily exclusive or or people can only operate on one or the other. Lots of people tend to generally be a combination of both. It's just that some people are more dominant in one area and prefer to be more introverted. And they can be extroverted. It's just that that's not their main priority. They would prefer not to be in, I guess, not to use those skills. Yes, exactly. So uh, the big thing to note about um, Meyer Briggs is, as N.A. said, there's the 16 overarching types. But within the 16 types, there's eight um, different 
categories. So extroversion, introversion are the first two. So of the first two, you pick the one that's your dominant and go down the list. So at the end of the day, you have a unique personality type that's composed of four different letters. Your um, the one that you're more aligned with of each set of pairs. Okay. Yeah. So in the first set, you're either more um, extroverted or more introverted. And so a very interesting just has to do with, as I said, the way you direct energy. I don't think I need to add more to that one. That one's pretty straightforward, I think. Yeah, I guess the next one we have here is basically how people take in information. So um, within this pair, we have sensing and intuition. So people who, I guess, are more sensing dominant prefer to take in information that is real and tangible. So these are the people, I, they have to see it to believe it. And um, if they can't, then they find they have a hard time basically trying to conceptualize what it is that other people are talking about. Whereas on the other side, the intuition people tend to be uh, taking more information that I, they tend to think of things in, I guess, the bigger, I guess, the grander scheme of things. So they can still interpret the tangible objects, but they look on a grander scale and try to basically figure out how everything intertwines together and not just how, I guess, not just what they see or what they can kind of feel with their senses. Yeah, exactly. The sensing people, um, as N.A. said, they kind of need to see it to believe it or, you know, touch it to know it's there. They need to have, you know, a scientific way of looking at things, knowing why it's that way. It needs to be very straightforward. These are the people that are black is black, white is white, gray doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, whereas intuition people, they look at all the information and then make their conclusion, right? So they'll look at the abstract items, they'll look at different patterns, they'll look at the interrelationships between items and then how they perceive those to be. So it's not necessarily as fact-based, um, but it's more as, you know, how do I feel about this thing and what are all the external factors that affect? So the next pair of items that we're gonna look at have to do with uh, how you decide and come to conclusions. So the first is thinking. And people who prefer thinking uh, typically base their decisions and conclusion, conclusions on logic. And they really value accuracy and objective truth when they look at things. Um, on the contrary, we have feeling people. And feeling people tend to base their decisions and conclusions on personal and social values um, and understanding harmony being connected to their goals. So very different ways of, of viewing the world and you know deciding what you think about things mm -hmm. um, and once again no one is better than the other they're just different ways of how we look at the world and the information that's around us i guess for that uh, last uh, pair we have is basically the way we approach the outside world so this one we have our judging and perceiving individuals so people who prefer to judge typically come to conclusions quickly and want to basically move on with things. So they basically, if they have a situation, they try and find the quickest way to deal with it. And then from there, they kind of move on. Whereas people who are perceiving kind of tend to sit, take, grab a situation, think on it and try to figure out what, what, I guess, how many different scenarios there are and try and kind of, and then from there, try and pick out which one they think would be the best. So these people kind of tend to not necessarily be indecisive, but tend to take a little longer to come to a decision and aren't as quick to jump or make or take action on things. Yes, exactly. And I think it's important to note um, with Meyer-Briggs, the word judging, how it's intended in this 
personality indicator is not the same way that we English speakers view the word judging, right? So um, if you'd ask what does judging mean, it means, you know, to condemn, to say, to look down on and like <laughs> those criticism. Yeah, then. criticize. Yeah. And that's not how it's intended in this way. We're not saying that if you have a judging personality type, you're a jerk and you think you're better than everyone. Um, if you, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, if you're a a person who prefers judging, um, it just means that you view the world as very straightforward. You like to take an organized approach, um, you like to go A, B, C, D, whereas people who are perceiving like to look for the other factors and then they're a lot more flexible in their approach. They, These are the people that might you know, want to do a spontaneous holiday, whereas a judging person wants to plan out what they're going to do on each day while they're away. Once again, neither is better than the other, they're just different ways. So now that we kind of have an overview of what those four pairs are and then um, the different options within each of those, we, Annie and I wanted to talk about what our personality types are and how that's helped us in our lives. So I'll go first here and I want NA to read this description because I think it's kind of funny how spot on it is for me. Um, but I am an ISTJ person. Um, so that's introverted, sensing, um, thinking and judging. So those are my dominant traits. So, Anna, can you read the description for me? All right, well, I mean, the description I have in my head is different than what um, <laughs> <laughs> they wrote down here. So I'll, uh, I'll read what they have. So basically, um, she's um, described as being quiet, serious, succeed by being through and dependable. Thorough? Oh, thorough, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> thorough and dependable, practical, matter of fact, realistic and responsible. They decide logically what should be done and work toward it steadily, regardless of distractions. Take pleasure in making everything orderly and organized, their work, home life, and value traditions and loyalty. Yeah, so I think that that's pretty spot on for me. Like, of course, I'm not always a quiet person, but definitely when I'm, you know, in a bigger group of people, I am not the type of person that's the life of the party. I like to be by myself. I have videos that would say otherwise. <laughs> okay. Being drunk is not an accurate representation <laughs> of my personality type. Um, but yeah, I think it's actually pretty spot on. When I first kind of dived deep into this and thought about it, it really made me realize why I clashed with certain personality types of other people. Um, and there's a specific example that I'll, I'll talk about. I don't want to go into so much, too much detail. Um, but I was talking about politics with someone in my life that I really love and respect this person and they're, they're like family to me. Um, but to me, the issue seemed so black and white. Like there was no gray area. It was this or this. And I was trying to say that in a way that was loving, but also like, no, this is how it is. Um, and this person in my life did not view the issue the same way. To them, it was, you know, I want to look at the whole picture. If I did this, that's not necessarily what I mean. This is the circumstance surrounding it. Um, so very different ways of viewing the world. And once again, no way is right or wrong, but it was really eye-opening to me because I walked away from that conversation and I was like, what the crap just happened? Because I didn't think I was like acting in a way that was not appropriate. And this person didn't think that they were acting in a way that was inappropriate. And it's not that one way was right and one way was wrong but there were feelings hurt because we didn't understand how each other was communicating. Um, so a real life example of something that I think many people could probably relate to, um, but very interesting. Now, and I wanna know what in this description you don't think sits with my personality type. Um, and give me why, because that I think is more important. <laughs> 
Well, let's see here. I mean, I mean, I, I will say you are very serious. You have that, um, the, the, the resting serious face. <laughs> he wants to say a word with a B, just <laughs> FYI. But I mean, I, I think more so, I think quiet is, is the one that I, I tend to find doesn't necessarily um, align with your personality. Maybe that's just because I, I know you a fair bit better than most people. But I think generally, I guess if you have, I mean, when you have things to say or just in general, you, you tend to be very lively and just not talkative, but you always have something to say. So mm -hmm. I feel like that, that might be a little off for me, but everything else is pretty spot on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think when they, when they use quiet for this, they're tying it into that introversion aspect, mm -hmm. right? So it's not necessarily that introverts aren't confident speakers or don't like to talk. It's just that they get their energy but from being by themselves, by thinking about things, not from being in a giant crowd. And I think that's quite accurate for me. Like if I go to a, um, back when we could go to concerts, if when I went to a concert, I'd come home and I was exhausted. And the next day I didn't want to leave my house. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm still kind of like that when I have to go into the office, I come home and I'm like, just don't talk to me. Um, <laughs> so I think that actually fits for me. It doesn't necessarily mean that I don't like talking or I'm not able to hold a conversation or, you know, I put the, the hand up and I'm like, Meh, all the time. It's just that I prefer to, you know, reserve that for moments when I actually have something I want to say. Right? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Talk about your type and then I want to read your description. All right. So um, what I got from my type was INTJ. So that was um, introverted. And then the N was, um, it, oh my goodness. Intuition. Yeah, there you go. Intuition, thinker, and then judging mm -hmm. were my letters. So, I mean, I'll just look at you to uh, read my description and then uh, I will give my two cents. Yeah. And it's interesting because NA and I, uh, our scores were, were quite close, actually. We really only differed on the sensing versus intuition. Mm -hmm. All our other letters were the same, which I thought was really interesting. But um, you'll see when I read this description that even that one letter change can have such a drastic um, effect on how this person thinks. So NA's type was INTJ. And the description for INTJ people says they have original minds and great drive for implementing their ideas and achieving their goals. They quickly see patterns and external events and develop long range perspectives. When committed, they organize a job and can carry it through. However, they can be skeptical and independent and have high standards of competence of performance for themselves and others. Um, so when I first read that, I was like, yeah, that's NA to a T. Um, <laughs> and I think if you if you know him, you can very easily say that he is a thinker. And what I mean by that is things are not ever simple in his mind. You can say something to him and he will figure out 30 ways in which that is either not correct or you're not seeing the whole picture. And it's not that he's, you know, rude about it. It's just that's how he thinks. He wants to look at every single possibility before he will either agree with you or disagree with you. Um, so we've had some interesting conversations <laughs> just because of that. And once again, that's the primary difference between um, the N and the S um, is, is in that kind of ballpark, I guess. So very interesting. Is there anything in, in this description that you don't think fits with who you are as a person or how you view the world? Um, I mean, when I did the assessment, I was a little skeptical on how accurate I guess it would be. But I mean, after reading, um, I guess, their conclusion, I mean, I, I thought it was fairly spot on. I mean, I think in most things in life, I tend to overthink, so to speak. And I kind of, I mean, I enjoy 
looking at all the different possibilities and aspects and just kind of finding the patterns things that I find that enjoyable. And like you were saying before, whenever I question people's beliefs, it's not necessarily that I, I don't believe what they're saying. It's just more so I like to know why it is people believe or understand what they do. And to me, I find that fascinating. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times it can be a waste of time <laughs> in certain situations, but I, I just tend to, I know, I, I like doing that. And I think the, the, the assessment here kind of captured that basically almost perfectly. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, how committed you are to figuring out the information and how committed you are to staying on task. So another thing, like I said, competence and performance, like (laughs) you are very much the type of person who you want things to be perfect. Um, And you will practice or you will look into things for hours until you are satisfied that it is the best possible (laughs) outcome that you can have. And um, even like in our day-to-day life, I will ask you, like, what are you planning to do this day? And you'd be like, oh, I'm not sure yet. And that's not because you don't have an idea of what you're going to do. It's because there's 30 different things that you want to do. And you're trying to figure out how you can get it all done and what you're going to do on each minute of each day. And then once you have X, Y, Z figured out, then you'll share it with me because you'll have all the information. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's fine. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's very different from how I am, right? Yeah. But... Definitely eye-opening. If you're curious as to what your personality type of those, of which one you are of the 16, mm-hmm. um, NA had found a great website actually that is based off of this Meyer Briggs concept, but I don't know that it's necessarily exactly Meyer Briggs. Uh, it's um, so basically all the letters and everything else are basically exactly the same as that. Um, so obviously, they, they have a couple different names for the different um, different combination of letters, but everything else is basically the same, mm-hmm. and it's free. Yeah. And then as well as I mean, it has a very nice um, user interface. So yeah, he likes the website. <laughs> um, so it's called 16personalities.com, and 16 is numerical; it's not written out. Yeah. Um, and that's what he used to find his. And it was pretty spot on. Again, like I said, I did a course on this with my work. So um, I had kind of known mine before from doing um, this assessment in university and then again at my workplace. And shocker, I haven't changed in 10 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, very cool um, way to go about it. Once again, the website that you can go to is 16personalities.com. Um, so really cool to figure out how you work, how um, maybe other people in your life work, and also some really cool skills to help you understand the people around you um, and, and the people that you work with, that you're in a relationship with, all that good stuff. So to wrap this uh, section up a bit, I just wanted to say that all these personality types that I guess that we have here and after you do finish the test um, or assessment, these aren't to say that you can only be, I guess, within this section that you can't change as you grow. It's just kind of a general um, guideline to show you how it is that you think about life and how it is that you basically interpret and receive information, right? I mean, at any point in your life, you can change and there's always external factors that will influence um, each one of these characteristics, but it's just a ge- nice way to figuring out who you are and kind of how you interact with other people. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that um, these personality types really are only applicable to people that are healthy. If you're not healthy, um, and this is part of what we covered in, in the course that I did, is that um, people who are unhealthy tend to kind of flip one of their four letters. So, um, for instance, for someone who subconsciously flips that first letter introversion versus extroversion when they're feeling unwell if they're an introvert um 
when they're feeling unwell, they'll start going to parties nonstop. They'll go to the bars. They'll be getting drunk often. I'm not saying all extroverts are partiers, but I'm just as an example. Um, but they'll kind of go flip to the other side and then push it so far that it's then unhealthy for them. And that can be a really clear indicator of why if you're noticing someone in your life that seems like their personality has changed, um, that is a really clear indicator that something's not right there. Um, and it could be a multitude of options, like tons of different things that could be going on in their life that are causing that change. Um, but really interesting way that you can, you know, keep up to date with people in your life and notice when something might be off and when somebody maybe needs a helping hand or, you know, needs, needs some support from you. So with that in mind, we wanted to shift gears now into the five love languages. And um, once again, this is a pretty common concept that I think most people have heard of now. Um, it became really mainstream, I think, last year because of The Bachelorette put it on one of their dates with Claire and Dale. Uh, oh. if, if you like The Bachelor or Bachelorette, <laughs> you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, you know, just ignore what I just said. Um, but <laughs> the five love languages were um, created by Dr. Gary Chapman, and he has since wrote oodles of books. He's uh, done tons of stuff with it and he's geared it towards you know relationships singles in the workplace and churches etc 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 it's huge now um but basically what it means is that every person can feel and receive um feel and give love in five different ways but most people will have a dominant that they really cling on to that makes them feel super loved or how they love um, showing love, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the, how how you basically communicate love with other people, right? Because mm. I think um, I guess because um, I was watching an interview with Gary Chapman and he was basically talking about um, this. I guess how he came up with this, and he was basically saying that um, when he was doing the, I guess the couples counseling with some of the people like that he was talking to, a lot of times he'd find that um, people would come in and. Um, either the spouse or um, a partner would say that they feel as if their partner doesn't love them. And then in that instance, you'd basically ask, um, why is it um, that they feel that the partner doesn't love them? And then they would basically list off a bunch of characteristics. And then their partner, on the other hand, would, would go and say, I do this for you, I do this for you, I do this for you. And then why, why don't you feel like I love you? And then I guess like everyone was saying, Gary was basically just, um, saying that... Gary? Or, First name basis? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I know him pretty well. <laughs> That YouTube video really made you a whole We're piece, close, eh? you know. <laughs> He's a man of God, so am I. <laughs> All right, continue. Anyways, he was basically saying that um, when, when it comes to love, people tend to communicate it um, in very different ways and in the same way as speaking a language, right? If I'm speaking English and then you, you speak French to me, although we're both trying to talk to each other and communicate, neither of us can really understand what we're trying to say. And so with, with these love languages that he developed, it was basically a way for people to kind of translate how they feel towards their partner so that their partner can basically better understand and reciprocate that love towards them so that there isn't that miscommunication, right? Because mm -hmm. I guess a lot of times, like let's say your love language is, like, we'll take gifts for example, right? And I'm, let's say, giving you words of affirmation, that, that's not necessarily your primary one. Mm -hmm. You might not necessarily perceive that as well as if I was to switch and give you what it is, what it is that you um, I guess lean more towards. Yeah, and I think this is probably a good point where we tell you what the five love languages are. I was just jumping ahead <laughs> of the gun, but you know. That's a great example. <laughs> um, but for people who aren't familiar, we'll just go through the list yeah. real quick. Um, so the first one, um, as Annie mentioned, is gifts. Um, and this doesn't necessarily translate to the money value of things, mm -hmm. right? This is more about the thought and the intention. 
Um, not necessarily, oh, you bought me a car, you must love me a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, for some people maybe, but that's not necessarily what gifts means. Um, the second words of affirmation, again, Annie mentioned this, this is um, telling someone you're proud of them, telling them they did a good job, things like that. Touch, um, that one's, I think, pretty straightforward. That can be, you know, giving your mom a hug or, you know, doing the nasty with your partner. With consent. <laughs> with consent, yes. <laughs> with consent. Um, and then the fourth is acts of service. Um, so uh, some examples for this could be, you know, doing the dishes, making someone a lunch ahead of time, and then quality time, um, which is just, you know, spending time with the person, having conversation, um, you know, going for a walk, things like that. Mm -hmm. So of those five, most people will have a primary and a secondary. Um, everybody, you know, feels and gives love in all five ways, right? So it's not that some people, you know, if you were to hold their hand, they're like, no, get away from me. Depending on who it is, right? <laughs> I guess. But for most people, um, you can feel and give love in all five ways. It's just there's one or two that you really connect with. Mm -hmm. So... I want to know for you, Na. Yeah. Which one do you think is your primary and your secondary? I guess. Oh, I don't feel love, so I don't. I don't oh think these gosh. apply to me. <laughs> 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 no, but I mean, on a serious note, um, I I think for me, quality time is uh is a big thing for me because um, I mean, I enjoy gifts like any other person does, but. I think for me, like um, like we're saying with my personality, I enjoy thinking about things. So if I can um, find an activity or do or spend time with, with such a person, either talk or basically do something together, to me that means more than everything else. And it's just, uh, I guess, that time for me is a way for me to kind of check out about my partner, interact with them, kind of plan for the future, and just do all that within that space. And it kind of just lets us relax, and there's no real, I guess, pressure in that in instance. Whereas if it's gifts, it's, I mean, for me, the, the pressure with gifts, I mean, I'm an amazing gift giver. <laughs> but <laughs> wow. this is a right there. But with gifts, I think for me, it, it's a little hard because it's trying to find something that's meaningful for said person. And I have a hard time doing that. But for quality time, it's just one of those things that I think is easy for me to do. I enjoy it. And I mean, who doesn't love having someone just kind of fawn over them, spend time with them mm -hmm. and just kind of do a bunch of activities, right? Yeah, and I think it's important to note here as well that the love languages aren't necessarily just for relationships. Mm -hmm. They are applicable to, you know, every relationship you have with people. And again, it's not even necessarily that you have to love a person to talk and communicate with them in their love language. Um, so we'll give some examples of how you can apply the love languages in your workplace as well. Um, but before we go there, I wanted to kind of talk about what mine are. So for me, I have generally been someone who prioritizes quality time as well um, and then my secondary is acts of service so for me and it's it's really interesting that it happened this way Annie and I apparently have much more similarities than he initially thought um, but <laughs> he's glaring I'm just like no we don't look so different um, but the stats don't lie to um, so for me quality time is really important and growing up like when I was a child um, I, my mom and I went to counseling when I was a teenager because I was having a really hard time and our relationship was not doing well. And one of the things that uh, my mom and I discovered during that time was that I was struggling because 
my parents didn't seem like they had time for me. And at that point they were starting a new business. They were, you know, not at home as often. I was spending time with um, some close family friends. I was living with them for a short time. So I, I knew objectively that yes, my parents love me. They're, you know, doing all these things for me, but I wasn't getting that time with them. That was what really connected to me. And so I felt like my parents didn't love me because I didn't see them. I wasn't talking to them. We weren't having dinners together. Um, and it was really eye-opening because as, once we realized that about me and why I was struggling so much, um, my mom is an amazing woman. She made the conscious effort to make time for me. And I would say that that counseling really saved our relationship. And we have a really good relationship now because we took the time to understand where we were coming from. Um, I would say she's more of a uh, acts of service person. She's changed a bit over the last couple years, but I think for her, um, if us kids, you know, made her dinner or cleaned up the kitchen for her, that to her was like, I got good kids. <laughs> so, I mean, most parents would say that, but for her, that was a big deal growing up. So really cool way of applying it. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, the second one for me was acts of service. Um, when any, you know, makes me dinner or cleans my kitchen, it's like, top notch like thank you sir <laughs> I like you <laughs> um, but yeah so now that we kind of have an overview NA and I have talked about you know where are where we fit in this and once again if you would like to know um, where yours you may have an idea of which one you are is which one's your primary or you might not um, you can go um, onto the five love languages website I, I can't remember that exact url but yeah i think it's uh five love languages.com oh well. so pretty yeah. straightforward really mm -hmm. easy to find um there's a free assessment there that you can do um to help figure out what yours is you can do it with a partner you can do it with your mom your dad your sibling um etc etc and it'll help you kind of decide which one is your primary so to give you some examples of how we can take this and apply it to strengthen our relationships outside of our romantic relationships, we wanted to give a couple examples of this in the workplace and how you can apply these five love languages to your coworkers. So the first one, gifts, um, I'm really fortunate that I have great bosses and they've done this for me. And if I'm you know, having a rough week or it's been a really busy week with lots of meetings, lots of stuff going on, um, one of my bosses has done this on a couple occasions. They've bought me flowers just to say thank you. And it's nothing big, um, but it's so meaningful. And it's not, you know, I love you, Evelyn. You did a great job today. It's just, you know, um, thanks for all that you do. And that's huge. Like, that is amazing to me. It, like, boosts morale so much. Um, and it's such a little thing. Shout out to this boss. She also brought me cupcakes once to my house. She's amazing. They were really um, good. <laughs> they were very good. Um, she's great. Um, but another example could be, you know, grabbing coffee for the office and bringing coffee in. And, you know, everybody gets a cup of coffee because, you know, it's been a rough week and you, you like working with them. So it doesn't have to be lovey-dovey. It's just, you know, something little. Like you can go to Tim Hortons, get $2 coffee for each of your coworkers and spend 10 bucks. Like, I mean, I couldn't. My office is quite big, but some people could do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, for uh, words of affirmation, what would you say, NA, is a good example of how you could use that in the workplace? I mean, I think um, 
Uh, I mean, obviously it applies to obviously your coworkers as well, but I think as if you are an employer, I think this is one of the ways that you can kind of build a better work environment. Mm -hmm. Because if you can uh, basically figure out, um, I mean, obviously everyone loves to be told that they're doing a great job. So if at any point in time you notice that any of your coworkers or um, your employees are doing a great job, I think it's not that hard to basically pull them aside and basically tell them, oh, you've been doing a great job in this aspect and this aspect. Especially if they're a new hire or if they're, mm -hmm. I guess, new to that environment and they don't know what's going on. Just having, um, knowing that, I guess, your boss thinks that highly of you and that you're doing a great job will increase their productivity and then as well as I mean it'll increase the mood in the environment and if you are a coworker as well and you notice that you know one of your um, coworkers isn't doing that um, so well that day if you, um, they have done a good job you can the same thing pull them aside let them know that they've done something well or just um, let them know that they're doing something good or even ask them for advice on something that they are doing well and that kind of helps make them feel a little better yeah right? and I mean it can also apply to people who are having a rough day if you go up to them and you say Hey, I just wanted to say that I know today's been pretty rough, but I know you can do this. You you have proven to me that you can do this, so you'll get it done. You've got this. Like that in itself, just having almost like a cheerleader in your corner can be <laughs> um, can be huge. And like it's like NA said, boosting the workplace morale is such an easy thing to do if you just make the conscious effort to you know be a good human being that treats others with respect and dignity um <laughs> et cetera et cetera um <laughs> sorry subtle rant there um the the third touch right now it's covid so there's not really a strong urge to touch people or, yeah um allowance to touch people and in the workplace it's definitely different um, mm -hmm. you're not gonna i mean some people have really comfortable work environments where they're co-workers or family and you hug each other and you go out for drinks and that's great yeah. but that's not true for everyone so for some people um pre-covid it might be as simple as a handshake fist bump fist you know, bump high five high five yeah anything like that just a way of showing that you care about someone um and you know not you know going past the boundary of workplace um <laughs> policies <laughs> consent is important <laughs> keep it professional yeah keep it professional <laughs> <laughs> um the fourth one acts of service um Annie, what do you think would be a good example for this one uh, I mean, uh, like we were talking about before previously, I think um, if you are, like I say, in a work environment, picking up the mail for um, your boss when you know that they're, busy, they're, they're too busy to do it and kind of bringing it to them just shows that you kind of, I guess, thought of them and, you know, realized that they were busy and then did that for them so that they wouldn't have to do it. I think this just shows, I mean, you appreciate them and just you took the time out of your day to actually go and do it. I think that's a really good gesture, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, we kind of talked about this earlier when we talked about gifts, but, you know, picking up someone coffee or if you know that someone has an ADM meeting, they haven't had a chance to grab their coffee yet, you can go grab their coffee, take it to their office, put it on their desk. Um, that's an act of service for them. It's also a gift in, in, us, in that scenario, mm -hmm. um, but it's really you doing the service for them and going out of your way to, to provide that for them because you know they might not be able to for themselves at that moment. So um, really easy thing to do. I think most people know how to pour a cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> and it's like rolling his eyes like no it's not all people um but yeah just something that's super easy to do but can have such a dramatic effect on people's personality and joy in the workplace mm -hmm. the last one quality time um we kind of brainstormed a couple ideas for this so the first one was you know going out for drinks after work 
So spending time with each other outside of the office, you know, getting to know each other, asking about each other's family, you know, even in the office, if you ask someone how their weekend was, what did you do with the family this weekend? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be three hours of you chatting with the person while you're getting paid, although that could be fun. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't love getting paid to do nothing? Yeah. But um, those simple things can have such dramatic effect. What were some Mm. of the other examples? Well, I think um, on that same note of like quality time, I think even in a relationship, I think a lot of the times with that one, I think quality time tends to kind of be ignored a little bit just because you see the person every single day and then you kind of do stuff, mm-hmm. I guess, automatically with that person. So you think that you're obviously spending enough time with them. But I think um, taking, I guess, I guess taking a block of time out of that day to specifically schedule something, I guess, to do with that person that's outside of your regular routine is mm-hmm. a nice way of spending quality time with that person. It shows that you're thinking of that person as well as you kind of took the time out of your day to schedule it. And then I guess in terms of um, something else, just more so kind of doing daily check-ins, whether it's with your friends, your coworkers, or with your partner, just kind of see how they're, how they're feeling is also a nice mm-hmm. way to just kind of spend time with that person, see what's on their mind and kind of make sure that, you know, you're all on the same page, you're all doing all mentally, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, another example was, you know, team building exercises in the workplace. If you spend mm-hmm. the afternoon, I'm different workplaces do this in all different ways but um, sometimes I know in my workplace we get together on Microsoft Teams and you know one time we all threw shots to each other that one was a fun team building (laughs) exercise (laughs) Um, but just like things like that um, and as NA said right with quality time the distinction is not the time it's the quality so um, for for the two of us what we found as helpful is when we're spending time together, we put our phones away. We have phone free time. So we're not perfect at it. Don't get me wrong. Um, we both like technology and, you know, have our habits. But even when we, we watch a lot of Netflix shows together, we'll be like, no, put your phone away. We're watching this together. And it <laughs> likes to speculate. He always wants to ask me what I think is going to happen. It's part of my personality it's, type. It's part of his personality <laughs> type. Um, and so to him, like, that's a part of what makes it quality time to him is us, you know, not only doing this activity together, but talking about it and, you know, both being completely focused on that activity together. Mm-hmm. Right? So really, um, I think a good thing to know is, yeah, just quality matters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I mean, um, I think similar to what everyone was saying, just kind of taking the time to basically um, look at yourself and realize, I guess, how just um, from your past experiences, how you best interpret love. Because I think a lot of these um, characteristics are a lot of them are focus based um, are affected by either your past or I guess how your present situation is. So um, with the love languages, um, so to speak, um, if during your childhood, like you were saying, um, I guess you you didn't get as much love from your parents or I guess you didn't receive words of affirmation, then growing up as an adult, that might be one of the love languages that you kind of associate more with or you crave, right? Mm. So that might have an effect on how you... I guess, move forward within your relationships. And same thing if, as a child, you got lots of words of affirmation, you got lots of quality time, and that's something that you might hold very close to your heart, and that's something that you, I guess, might kind of, you might feel more strongly towards, and that's how you will, I guess, that's how you will interpret love, right? Yeah. Well, and it's not even necessarily the things that you were deprived of. It could be if you grew up in a household where your parents were rich and they bought you everything you ever wanted, if someone picks you fresh flowers, it might not mean as much to you. It mm-hmm. might still mean something to you, but it to you, it may not 
hit the same level because you're like, well, I could get anything I wanted at any point. Like Mm -hmm. you didn't really go out of your way to do anything. Um, So, and that's not to say that every person who has, you know, rich parents doesn't like gifts. Like I'm not going (laughs) to say that, but that could be a consequence of, you know, being shown love in only one of the five ways as a child. And then when you're an adult, either, you know, craving something you didn't have or not necessarily feeling love as strongly in the way that you felt it your entire childhood, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then I think just to say that, I mean, all these love languages can be molded, I guess, and you can have different combinations of each mm-hmm. one, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not to say like you're saying that you only practice one or the other, but um, obviously, ideally, you want to be, you know, rotating through each of them and kind of applying each of them to, I guess, your daily life. But I mean, it's not a bad thing if you're more dominant in one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the important thing is just because you're dominant in something doesn't mean everybody else in your life is dominant. So if my, so if any and I had different primaries, so if my primary was gifts and his primary was quality time, if he's only showing me love in his primary, I'm not going to feel loved because that doesn't speak to me as clearly, mm-hmm. right? So it's important to understand that while you have a primary, that doesn't necessarily mean the people in your life share that same primary. So, um, yeah, being conscious of the people around you, what their primary and secondaries are, um, can really go a long way to making those relationships stronger. Um, but yeah, so I think that is about all we wanted to add for these kind of two ways of viewing the world, so personality types and love languages. Um, I hope that listening kind of gave you some clarity over maybe some things about yourself that you didn't realize or maybe something about your partner that you may not have realized or maybe they're the type of person that's like you never do anything for me do you even love me and you're like oh i didn't realize they like acts of service um so yeah just a couple things to maybe think about in your day-to-day life appreciating that every person is different um and that it's not necessary that one is right and one is wrong it's just how can i better communicate with the people in my life and make those communications better and healthier for both parties on something fun to the end of this episode today Um, and thank you to everyone who reached out after our previous episode and said they really liked the fact or lack um, section and little game that we played Um, we love hearing your feedback and it was great to hear that other people found it um, entertaining and fun to listen to so thank you for that we also got some feedback that uh, (laughs) and I may have told a fib on one of his and that um, (laughs) when it came to the fortune cookies he had accidentally said it in such a way that what he was saying was a fact um, and was not in fact the whacked (laughs) of yeah I I just mixed up the order he mixed up the orders so of the words so um (laughs) Thank you to uh, everybody who called us out on that. It's appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) We had a good laugh about it. Um, But yeah, so today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, The last couple weeks, uh, if you're following the current news, have kind of been overwhelming. There's been a lot going on um, in the States with um, the storm of the Capitol and all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit and, and inject some happiness and some good into uh, what's going on in the world. So we called this section Good News, 
And um, we just decided that we're each going to say something really awesome that has happened to us in the last week, couple weeks, um, and just share that with you. And hopefully it puts a smile on people's faces. And um, yeah, that's about it. So, Anna, what's your good news? Oh, I was going to have you go first. Oh. <laughs> no, you're going first. No, no, you can go first. You can go first. Good news. <laughs> okay, so I have a big thing. So if you listen to our last episode, you'll know that one of my New Year's resolutions for this year was to buy a house. And I am extremely excited and equally terrified to say that I have been approved and uh, bought a house and everything's signed. And I get possession in March. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was kind of waiting on um, the sellers to remove some conditions and find another home for themselves. And they finally have. So everything's uh, been written down and all that stuff and yeah very excited the first check came out of my bank account uh for the deposit and that's making it very very real <laughs> <laughs> so yeah really exciting and some some really cool news for that this is week. true well i mean on a less exciting note <laughs> My good news is that I'm still in good health and... <laughs> oh my god, that's all you could come up with? That's all I could oh, come up baby. with, you know? Uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy, you know? <laughs> and, you know, every day has been a blessing, so, you know, oh it may not be as great as buying a house, oh, but, Lord. you know, I hope uh, you're all uh, happy to hear that. Yeah. Notice how Annie will be moving into me, into said house. Not and into you, into the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He'll be moving into the house with me. And notice how he didn't use that as his. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Anyways, it's been, <laughs> been, been, it's been a big week. So, um. Yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we hope we can grace your podcast app again sometime <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah, we hopefully well, you guys enjoyed that uh, good news snippet. Stay tuned for some more little snippets in our next episodes. Yeah, and that's all. That's it. That's all. Have a good week, guys. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Simplish Podcast. Be sure to like, follow, and rate our show. You can find us on Instagram at Simplish Podcast. And for more content as well as blog posts, make sure to check out our website at www.simplishpodcast.ca. And if you have any questions or would just like to get in touch with us, send us an email at contact at simplishpodcast.ca.